0: Hello and thanks for joining us for the latest Marketing Week Explores podcast. My name's Lucy Testeris and I'm the Features Editor at Marketing Week and I'm joined today by senior writer Charlotte Rogers. This month we've been taking a closer look at demographics and segmentation. So we've been looking at a number of different angles. There has been a bit of a shift um, by some of the major FMCG brands away from generic demographic targets like women aged 25 to 40. So Charlotte has been looking at some of the other options um, such as behaviour and why that is perhaps now more dominant as a method of segmentation compared to to demographics. Um, Meanwhile, I have also been um, looking at this topic um, specifically at the over 50s market And why brands still treat anyone aged over 50 um, as one kind of homogenous grain group and the risks of of doing that. Um, There are obviously a number of ways um, audiences can be segmented. So to dig a little bit deeper, Marketing Week did some research into the most commonly used and effective forms of segmentation. Um, Charlotte, what were some of the key findings?
1: Yeah, exactly, so we actually wanted to get into the skin of segmentation and um, kind of work out, because in the past demographic data was probably all that marketers had to work with. And now there's so many other methods available that we wanted to see if opinion had shifted. So we did an exclusive survey of more than 800 marketers uh, working across 23 sectors. And we actually found that behaviour is now the most commonly commonly used method of segmentation. Mm. So that was 44% of the people we spoke to use behaviour. Um, that's followed by location, 42%, and age, 38%. Um, they actually, 91% of the marketers we spoke to um, considered behavior to be the most effective method of segmentation. It's huge. Um, 40% said that behavior is a very effective mode of segmentation, compared to just 3% that said the same about age. Yeah. And 73% of the marketers we spoke to said that behavior has become more effective over the past five years. Um, So at something like age, even though it's the third most commonly used, was actually only the seventh, considered the seventh most effective method of segmentation. And actually social grade has lost the most relevance over the past five years, with only 25%, sorry, with 25% saying it's less effective. So definite movement there
0: um, Mm. on what marketers are considering useful. Absolutely. And so so with that in mind, um, you spoke to a number of brands about how they're approaching segmentation. What were some of the things that um, they were saying?
1: Yeah, really diverse.
0: So um, I spoke to Hotel Chocolat and the CMO
1: Lisa Hardy, and she was talking about the very kind of special nature of their brand being that they are a gifting brand, so you can't make assumptions um, based on purchase behaviour alone. Mm. So she was saying that they layer up many different ways um, of kind of looking at consumer behaviour, moving away from just classic demographics like age and gender. She gave me the example of Valentine's Day, so like the kind of female focused um, alternative to Valentine's Day, and she was saying that you could look at that in a number of ways. So it appeals to millennials, mm. maybe a specific age of millennials, uh, particularly women. Then you could look at attitudes, beliefs, and affinities with other products. So that was how they looked at something mm. like that. Um, a brand like Vodafone has a three-pronged strategy, the way that they define their segments, um, so they, you first have to start by finding a market and identifying the opportunities. Then they look at building a proposition that's right for that segment and then taking it to market in a way that's relevant for the consumer. Mm. Um, So they applied this approach to Voxy, which was their sub-brand for 16 to 25-year-olds, launched in 2017. They found three distinct subsets based on age within that age group and also employment status, Uh, created the proposition for for that young demographic, but then in May last year, they extended it to 16 to 29 after seeing the same kind of behaviors amongst people aged 25 to 29. Mm. Um, Another kind of different approach, again, is at Money Supermarket, um, where they use a hybrid method that combines life stage, demographics, customer needs, attitudes and behaviours, and they tap into 700 data points Mm. to understand at a more granular level um, how consumers feel about different products. Then Eurocamp, that's um, a a travel brand, they're much more focused on life stage um, rather than attitude. So they look at families as a core segment and then they look at different subsets within that. So you might have children who are preschool, but then you might have teenagers, so you think about holidays in different ways. Um, And they also look at where customers are in their purchase journey and their level of understanding they have of the brand as well. And finally, a brand like Carling, which obviously has mass appeal, um, Could appeal to so many different people. They focus on occasions, so they look at when their product is being consumed and then segment according to these what they call demand spaces. Yeah. So they layer on that um, local and global ethnographic research and analysis of macro trends to identify common ground between groups. Um, but brand director Miranda Osborne actually made a really interesting point when I spoke to her. That she says that while brands are becoming more sophisticated in their approach, to targeting, actually media buying needs to catch up because it's typically still focused on traditional demographic profiling. That's interesting, that's really interesting.
0: And it's interesting as well that you spoke to such a variety of brands that are all doing things in a slightly different way but a way that is right for, for their audience and kind of kind of meets their, their own objectives. Yeah, definitely. Really interesting. And something else that um, I know came up um, in your research um, was looking at terms like kind of catch-all terms like millennial and gen z and gen x which are often used to kind of clump together um groups of consumers but there's obviously lots of subsets within those groups so how useful are they to marketers really yeah no one's a big fan <laughs> <laughs>
1: that i spoke to um, so of the research we did 55 percent of marketers say that demographic groupings like millennial or gen z are not very or not at all effective right. just seven percent said they were very effective Um, And of the marketers I spoke to, um, so Vodafone's head of youth and mass segments, Daniel Lambrew, he said that he would use a term like Gen Z as like a shorthand Mm. to describe a generic group of people, but he would never use it in his marketing strategy. Um, Likewise, Money Supermarkets, head of customer insight, Jonathan Wood, he said that it's just a kind of form of stereotyping, um, and it's wrong to group people together just because they were born within a few years of each other. You need to be focused on diverse attitudes, needs, behaviours and motivations, so no one is a big fan.
0: So that actually segues on quite nicely to the the work that we've been doing on over 50s as well, which is another group that um, marketers quite often kind of clump together um, because there are obviously massive differences between somebody aged 50 and somebody aged 80, yet marketers are often guilty of treating them in exactly exactly the same way. They're also guilty of using images of people far older than 50 and expecting kind of 50-year-olds to be someone dressed in a beige uh, cardigan holding a walking stick handing out a Werther's original um, to, <laughs> to play off on the the stereotype. But if you look at... Um, so if you take like celebrities like Madonna, Gary Lineker, Mary Berry, George Clooney, they're all vastly different from each other. Yes, they're all over 50, but they're at different life stages in their over 50s, and they all have very different interests. Um, another thing to, to point out is that over 50s have Far greater disposable income than younger consumers, so by ignoring this um, this um, this group, marketers are a real risk of kind of losing out on valuable valuable money, especially actually as we're an aging population, so we're only going to get older. Um, in actual fact, there are more than 23 million people aged over 50 in the UK, according to the most recent data from the Office for National Statistics. So that's more than a third of the population. So the fact that it's also the third with the highest um, disposable income is something that marketers really should be thinking more cleverly about. One um, stat that um, ad contrarian blogger and former ad man Bob Hoffman often brings up is the fact that people aged over 75 by five times as many cars as those aged 24, yet you never see a 75-year-old in a car ad, so it's something to think about for sure.
1: No, you never do. <laughs> right, so right. Um, so, Given all that, what do you mm. think the risks are to brands who either ignore this like really vibrant mm. age group um, or target them
0: badly? Well, I think the thing is that um, people aged over 50 aren't on death's door. As soon as they turn 50, they don't need a walk in bath, they don't need a stair lift. They are, their interests are going to be the same as they were when they were 45, 45, 49. So I think kind of just immediately assuming that somebody over the age of 50 it's going to completely change their habits, is kind of misguided. But also, if um, consumers do start receiving lots of um, communication about those types of products, it's actually just going to irritate people. And down the line, maybe in like 20 years' time, if they are then looking for a walk and bath, they'll have that memory of the brand that irritated them and assumed that they were kind of a, an aging 50-year-old at the time, so kind of annoying people is... It's definitely something that um, brands need to consider. I spoke to um, David Weldon, who's um, RBS's CMO. He's an avid user of Instagram, and so he was saying that it should be clear to advertisers what his interests are. Yet, um, when I was on the phone to him, he was scrolling, scrolling down and he was saying, there's not one ad that's relevant to me. It's all things that actually consumers, uh, sorry, marketers have gone, right, this guy's over, over 50. So these are the ads that we're going to send to him, rather than actually looking at what his his real interests are. And actually there was some research that um, Grandsnet and Mumsnet did last year, which shows um, 78% of those people um, aged over 50 that they served aid um, feel underrepresented or misrepresented by advertising, um, with 49% saying that they actively avoid brands who ignore them. So it's a a real risk. There are brands that are doing kind of things to better understand the market though. So Sun Life, um, insurance brand Sun Life, did a survey of, a massive survey actually, I think they they said it's the the biggest of its kind, of 50,000 people over the age of 50, um, which revealed that far from kind of winding down and resigning themselves to kind of a lifetime of daytime TV and kind of looking after grandkids, they were actually kind of picking up new hobbies, starting cottage industries, taking up kind of new experiences and looking to kind of seek out different different kind of experiences, travelling, kind of lots of things that, um, that means they're kind of far from on death's door and kind of winding down. Um, that resulted in um, Sun Life's Welcome to Life After 50 campaign, which completely kind of challenged um, those stereotypes um, of over 50s. And Sun Life also now does its own photo shoots each year. So they do thousands of pictures to ensure that they have people, like pictures of real over 50s that kind of truly represent um, the market.
1: So, I mean, do you think that part of the problem is the fact that the teams and ad ad agencies and brands are too young to understand this demographic? You know, maybe they're all in their 20s and 30s and they just don't get it.
0: I think that is um, definitely... Part of the, the problem. Going back to the Grand's Net and MumsNet research, um, it showed that 88% of the people surveyed think that brands and agencies need to hire people um, that are more representative of the people that they're targeting. Um, so, using SunLife as an example again, um, they have a team of in house creatives who are all over the age of 50. And while they weren't hired specifically um, for their age, the fact that they kind of better understand the market that's that's why they got the job um, so they're helping the business to kind of really understand that market um better um another example um, is aviva which has set up um, a community within the, the organization called generations which is not just for people over 50 it's kind of for anyone um with, within the, the organization but there is kind of a, a focus on more senior people working within the business um, Aviva has uh, more than five hundred, sorry, more than five thousand people um, in its seventeen thousand strong UK workforce who are over the age of fifty. So it's a large chunk of the group's um, business. Um, but they also discovered that um, that this age bracket is leaving the organisation at a faster rate than any other, which um, which it, it serves as a, as a commercial concern um, as they were losing valuable talent. And um, one of the initiatives that they've developed in order to help support people um, over 50 um, to ensure that they have a kind of a more fulfilled and longer kind of working life is something called the Midlife MOT, um, which they trialled last year. And it helps employees over 45 um, just understand how to better manage their, their wealth, their work and well-being to ensure that they, um, they are more satisfied at work. Um, and Aviva worked out that if it if it can slow sorry if it can slow its attrition rate among this group by just one percent, um, the initiative will pay for itself in terms of reduced recruitment costs and the benefit of enhanced um, skills retention inside the organisation. So there's definite opportunities and benefits for kind of really supporting people in their in their senior years um, within the, the working, uh, within the workforce. That sounds really progressive, wow. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. well that's, um, that's all we have um, time for today, um, but we do have lots more on demographics, on over 50s, on all the things we've talked about today, um, on marketingweek.com where you'll find a number of in-depth features. Um, so thank you to Charlotte, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, if you like what you've heard today, then do subscribe to our podcast which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you'll also be able to find episodes of our other podcast, Marketing Week Meets.